electric cars are having a moment. Oh my God! Electric car sales are up 66%. You going to want to jump in the back? And now my president says the future is electric and there's no turning back. To make sure of that, some states are banning gas-powered cars. Gasoline cars are driving us toward climate chaos. We actually have to stop using fossil fuel vehicles. California's governor made that an executive order. We will eliminate the sales of internal combustion engines. Governments everywhere say they plan to do that. The government has a vision for a future where all our cars will be electric. But this is just magical thinking. It can't happen. In this video and the next, we point out five inconvenient facts about electric cars that politicians and green activists Take your oil, go just don't understand. Electric cars are amazing. Physicists like Mark Mills of the Manhattan Institute do understand. He says the trend to electric is a good thing. But it won't change the future in any significant way with respect to oil use or carbon dioxide emissions. That's inconvenient fact one. More electric cars will hardly dent oil use. If all of us bought electric cars, would it make any difference? So the world has 15, 18 million electric vehicles now. It could go to 300 million, maybe 500 million vehicles. I don't think it'll get that many, but that's the aspiration. That would reduce world oil consumption by about 10%. That's not nothing but it doesn't end the use of oil for the world. Because most of it's used for what? Flying airplanes, driving buses, big trucks, the mining equipment to get the copper to build the electric cars is all oil fired. And it won't change because those trucks last 40 years. And even if all vehicles somehow switch to electricity, there'd be another problem because despite what we've heard. Further, faster, cheaper, and greener. Electric cars are not all that green. One reason is because electricity isn't all that green. I'm amazed talking to people who are all excited about their electric car and they say, and I'm not polluting. <laughs> and I say, where do you get the electricity from? And they don't know. They don't know that most of America's electricity comes from fossil fuels, natural gas and coal. Just 12% comes from wind and solar. Yet auto companies tell us electric vehicles in general are better and more sustainable for the environment. She's a Ford engineer. She's not ignorant. Well, actually, she probably is ignorant in the literal sense of the word. She's not stupid, but ignorance speaks to what you know. You have to mine somewhere on Earth 500,000 pounds of minerals and rock to make one battery. And most of this mining isn't done in the U.S. American regulations make it nearly impossible. So it's done other places, polluting those countries. And worse, ingredients in batteries are mined in places that enslave people and use child labor. An army of children are at the heart of the mining production, wearing no shoes and in the most wretched conditions. Most Americans proudly driving electric cars don't know about this. They just don't want mining done near them. But wherever it's done, mining is a dirty business that adds lots of carbon to the air. If you're worried about carbon dioxide, the electric vehicle is emitted 10 to 20 tons of carbon dioxide before it even gets to your driveway, before you drive the first mile and plug it in the first time. Carbon dioxide produced by the mining and the manufacturing and the shipping. Exactly. Uh...
Volkswagen published an honest study. They point out that the first 60,000 miles or so you're driving an electric vehicle, that electric vehicle will have emitted more carbon dioxide than if you just drove a conventional vehicle in the first place. You have to own it for a while before the electric part starts to win. You have to own it for at least 100,000 miles, and then the electric part wins by some. So it doesn't get you a zero emissions vehicle. It's reduced the emissions then by 20 or 30 percent, which is not nothing, but it's not zero. No, it's not close to zero. In our next video, more inconvenient facts about electric cars. Politicians make impossible assumptions about batteries and the electric grid. Hope you liked this video. Remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell. That'll make sure you get part two. You think every car should be electric? Well, here are some inconvenient facts you probably don't know. This is part two of our series on electric cars. We keep hearing. The future of the auto industry is electric, electric, and battery technology. Battery technology. That's key because we need to store the electric power. But storing large amounts of energy in batteries has a problem. Batteries are really lousy at storing energy. They leak energy constantly. They leak and they don't hold a lot. Physicist Mark Mills says electric cars are great, but... Oil begins with a huge advantage over the chemicals that are in a battery. Oil has about 5,000% more energy in it per pound. And we see this in electric cars. Electric cars' battery weighs 1,000 pounds. It's what the battery weighs. It's replacing about 80 pounds of gasoline. All right, you're talking today, but the batteries are going to get smaller and better. They've gotten way more powerful, long-lasting, and affordable. All of this is just a prologue to what the next batteries are going to do. I can't wait. Will they be something like the one Iron Man has? Yeah, I can fly. Iron Man with the, uh, the power pack that he puts in his chest or the Terminator. Could happen. Things improve. Engineers are really good at making things better, but they can't make them better than the laws of physics permit. That will never happen in any place except comic books. That's inconvenient fact four. Miracle batteries powerful enough to replace fossil fuels are a fantasy. Because nature is not nice to humans, we store energy for when it's going to be really cold or really hot. The people who imagine an energy transition would want to build windmills and solar panels and store all that energy in batteries. But you do the arithmetic and you find out you need to build about $100 trillion worth of batteries to store the same amount of energy that Europe has in storage now for this winter. And it would take the world's battery factories about 400 years to manufacture that many batteries. 400 years? Politicians don't mention that. That leads to another problem the politicians don't mention. They say every car will be electric. California will require all new cars sold to be zero emission vehicles. If that were somehow to happen. That means a lot more electric vehicles drawing power from the grid. But the grid is already limited. So limited that last summer, California's governor told people, don't use your electric car. Asking residents to avoid charging their EVs in order to conserve energy. Roughly speaking, you have to uh, double your electric grid to move the energy out of gasoline into the electric sector. No one is planning to double the electric grid in California, so there'll be rationing. Rationing. When there isn't enough electricity, cities will simply turn some of the power off. 
That's inconvenient fact five. We just don't have enough electricity for all electric cars. And we'll have even less of it if we try to get all our electricity from renewable energy like wind and solar. Our president says, We're going to achieve a carbon pollution-free electric sector by the year 2035. And all of the media believe it. It's amazing that all these smart people and supposed leaders say these things. It's upsetting. It really has been an extraordinary accomplishment of propaganda, and there's no other word for it. Oil and gas is going to take everything we know and love. Wind and solar, renewable versus oil and gas. It's, it's almost infantile. It's really, it, it's distressing because it's so silly. Because even if engineers invent much better wind turbines and solar panels and power lines and batteries. You're still drilling things. You're still digging up stuff. You're still building machines that wear out. We're still driving big trucks, whether you drill a gas well or build a wind turbine. It's, it's all the same, really. It's just big machines to make lots of energy for humanity. It's not magical transformation. In many respects, the parts that aren't different are worse, unfortunately. The politicians are making us pay more to do things that hurt the environment. You're up going back to coal. Burning coal in homes and open stoves because they're so afraid they're going to freeze this winter. People fearful of winter shortages wait for days and nights to stock up on heating fuel. Lines going for miles in Poland. These are people picking up coal to take home to be sure they won't freeze this winter. This is crazy. So what we've done now is had our energy systems designed by bureaucrats instead of by engineers. And what we're getting is worse energy, more expensive energy, and higher environmental impacts. That's what we're doing. As for electric cars, I like them. Maybe I'll buy one. But I won't pretend it'll make me some kind of environmental hero. There'll be lots more electric cars in the future, and there should be, because that'll reduce demand for oil, which is a good thing. But when you do the math, the arithmetic on the scales of demand to operate a society with billions of people, with five or six billion people who are, live in poverty, we can't imagine. When you want to give them a little bit of what we have, the energy demands are off the charts big. We're going to need everything. Everything includes fossil fuels. We hope you like this two-part series. If you want to help us make more videos like that, click that button. It's hell on earth as Hurricane Ian slams into Florida. Hurricane Ian did tremendous damage. Many reporters took risks to cover it well. But a lot of what the media and politicians told us about hurricanes was just wrong. The federal government will cover 100% of the cost. Myth one, a big storm requires big government. FEMA's already distributed $40 million in direct assistance to survivors. Politicians eagerly shower money on disaster areas. And central planners like this college professor say government must take control. You need some sort of uh, group of people to figure out the process by which these communities are going to rebuild. But that's not true. During Hurricane Katrina, Matt Mayer, working for Homeland Security, saw that the federal government was just too bureaucratic to be much help. Who's going to do it if not the government? States, locals, communities, neighbors. Are they capable? Of course they're capable. They've been doing it for 200 years. After a disaster, 
Charities usually help more than government. Even NBC's anchors noticed it after a tornado. There's FEMA, and then there's the faith-based FEMA. If you're waiting for the government, you're going to be in for an awful long wait. FEMA fails because, as with all government bureaucracies, there's no incentive to spend efficiently. Hundreds of FEMA trailers bought with your tax dollars are sitting empty, never used. Charities don't waste money like that, and they help people quickly. Tsunamis, earthquakes, hurricanes, anytime there's a storm, anytime there's any kind of dis destruction anywhere, we're on it immediately. They cleaned it up and fixed it up, got us in a home, and they've done that for our whole neighborhood. Communities all across America every day come together and figure out how to meet the needs of, the, of their neighbors. It's called being an American. Myth two, we need government to stop greedy businesses from raising prices. Price gouging, officials call it. It's an issue every hurricane season because after storms, some merchants raise prices. They're just taking advantage of us. They're taking advantage of making money, extra money, because there's a hurricane coming. So even Republican politicians tell businesses. You cannot substantially raise prices, whether it's a hotel room, fuel, commodities such as water, generators. That's what these bad people are doing. Bad people? No. When there are storms, consumers need specific supplies. Hot items like generators, batteries, and sandbags are flying off the shelves. Definitely water. Literally, as soon as we walked in the store, it's just gone. Why is it totally gone? Well, think about it. If stores don't raise prices, we consumers stock up on everything we might need. So only the first customers get what they want. Batteries, propane, um, tarps, all the generators are gone. But if the store could raise prices for items in demand, fewer people would hoard. Supplies running low. And more customers would get what they need. Anti-gouging rules even punish some good people who risk their safety to bring us what we need. After Hurricane Katrina, John Shepperson heard that people in Mississippi desperately needed things. So John left the safety of his home bought 19 generators, put them in a rented U-Haul, and drove it 600 miles to a town that had no electricity. John offered to sell his generators for twice what he paid for them. People were excited. They, we had a product they needed. But Mississippi police wouldn't allow John to sell them. They called that price gouging. They confiscated his generators and locked John up in this jail. They called him a criminal for potentially saving lives. Actually, the price gougers are the moral ones. These high school students who learn economics through Stossel in the Classroom videos, they have more wisdom than most adults. When people hear price gouging, they think, oh, gouging this awful thing that you'd think of, but it really is kind of just another name for supply and demand. Politicians and the media rarely understand economics. They have trouble with science, too. Storms get stronger and more destructive. Myth number three is that because of climate change, hurricanes are getting worse. It is feeding these beasts. It's getting stronger and stronger. The winds are getting harder and harder. No, they aren't. You can take a look at all the hurricanes around the planet. We can see them since 1970 because we got global satellite coverage. Right. And we can measure their power. And we can add up their power. And there is no significant increase whatsoever. There may be, someday, but so far the U.S. government says there's no strong evidence of increasing trends in major hurricanes. But the media keep claiming 
It is clearly the case that climate change is making storms like this one stronger. The people ranting about the climate crisis making storms worse. Linked to human-caused climate change. They believe they're doing the right thing. But just because you think you're helping doesn't mean you are. Which brings us to our last destructive myth. America must have government flood insurance because private insurance is too expensive. But government insurance just encourages people to build in flood zones. And that's unfair to taxpayers. Yes, some foolish people, like me, want a house near an ocean. Years ago, I built this one. That's the younger me there. It was stupid to build next to an ocean. The high cost of insurance would have stopped me. But then I discovered that government offers affordable insurance. They even advertise it. Once upon a time, there was a nice house that lived with a family. One day, it started to rain and rain. But federal flood insurance can't stop the floods. One day, a storm swept away my first floor. Then the ocean took my whole house. I lost my house. But thanks to government guarantees, I didn't lose money. I won't do it again, but others will. It's another example of how government does harm in the name of doing good. Until we learn the truth about storms, we'll keep making the same costly mistakes again and again. Hope you learned something from these videos. If you like them, please subscribe to make sure you get the next one. Every Arizona student can attend any school. Finally, more states will let parents choose their kids' schools. Arizona just passed the biggest school choice victory in U.S. history. Corey DeAngelis studies education. Now every single family will be able to take their children's state-funded education dollars to the education provider of their choosing. Many kids and parents are happy about that. My son's learning and mom is at peace. It's no surprise. Competition improves things in every field. Henry Ford's assembly line was great, but by today's standards, his cars were lousy. That's because every year, car makers design better cars. Competition forces them to innovate. But American education has barely changed since the days of Henry Ford. Kids still sit in a room watching a teacher at a blackboard, and then they do worksheets. Still, the education establishment says, we don't need competition. Our neighborhood schools, I believe, truly have what every child needs. But they don't. I once debated this union boss. Unionized monopolies like yours fail. Those folks who want to say this all the time, they don't really care about kids. Randy Weingarten didn't like my TV special on education. She had her union members protest outside my office. Who are we? The UFT! I came out to hear their criticism, and Weingarten said I was ignorant. So just teach for a week. That, she said, would educate me. The crowd liked that idea. Teach, teach. But when I said, yes, I'll teach, the union decided, no, we don't want you in our school. Weingarten will no longer speak with me, but her Fairfax, Virginia chapter head, here he is meeting with her, did agree to talk. What's wrong with giving parents a choice? The best outcome for all students is going to be for the public education system to be as strong as possible. Parental choice, he says, would duplicate bureaucracy. Once you start setting up other systems, 
that same bureaucracy is then going to exist multiple times. Wait, maybe there would be less bureaucracy. His school spend $300,000 per classroom. His teachers don't get paid that much. The money disappears into the bureaucracy. At least choice lets people develop alternatives to you. Any ideas you have for lowering bureaucracy, you're not going to hear any disagreement from the teachers. Either. Okay, here's one idea. Get rid of your endless rules that protect every teacher's job. It's almost impossible to fire a teacher in Fairfax County. Coming as a union leader, this might be surprising, but those teachers that aren't, you know, up to snuff, they should be let go. But they aren't, because union rules make it so hard. A few years ago, one of Walrod's schools called this teacher incompetent. The school spent more than $70,000 on lawyers trying to fire her, but the bureaucracy wouldn't allow it. School choice would let parents escape such badly managed schools. Why not trust the parents to decide what's best for their kids? What you're doing is you're incentivizing a lack of collaboration. If I'm competing directly against you, then I have a vested interest in doing better than you. But isn't that good? Not in education. COVID lockdowns gave parents another reason to want school choice. Your school only now has returned to full-time instruction. Catholic schools, private schools, let kids in way ahead of you. What's up with that? There are definitely valid arguments to say that some school, that some districts played it too cautious, but we were dealing with an ongoing health crisis. 5,000 students left Fairfax Public Schools during the pandemic. They gave up a free education to pay for it or do it themselves. Doesn't it suggest that Fairfax schools didn't do a good job? No, they were trying to follow CDC guidelines. It seems like you were eager to embrace the CDC's message in the most strict way, so you didn't have to go to work. Teachers were working that whole time. Online teaching was harder than in-person teaching. One other reason why some parents left government-run schools, indoctrination. White Americans have more because of racism. Your schools paid $20,000 for a one-hour Zoom presentation from Ibrahim Kendi. Is that a good use of taxpayer money? The people that watched that presentation, how much would it have cost to send them to a convention that he was speaking at? <laughs> well, much more, I assume. But you could, if you want to hear him, you can hear him free on YouTube. If they watched YouTube clips of him, it wouldn't have been about Fairfax. Maybe Fairfax parents want Kendi paid hundreds of dollars a minute to give a Zoom speech to their school administration. But I doubt that all do. That's why choice is good. If you want your kid to wear masks or to study critical race theory, you can pick a school that does that. Yeah, absolutely. Allow families to take their children to institutions that best align with their values. That's the only way forward with freedom as opposed to force. And what about the most important thing, learning? Public schools have consistently outperformed charter schools. How so? Where's the evidence for that? You can look in educational policy journals and you're going to see some of that stuff. 
Yes, a few studies found school choice didn't boost test scores. Nationally, the results on vouchers are mixed. Why aren't they testing better? That was the promise. They're not government-run schools that are teaching to the test. PBS and NPR eagerly reported. Recent studies have shown voucher students actually losing ground. Let's stop cherry-picking with the evidence. The preponderance of the evidence is positive. Most studies find test score gains for kids who took vouchers. And there was a surprise extra benefit. Some government schools improved. Public schools actually upped their game in response to competition. In D.C., after school choice was allowed, everyone tried harder, and both charter and government schools improved. School choice doesn't destroy public schools. It actually makes them better. For much less money. The government-run schools spend over $30,000 per year in, in D.C., and the voucher amounts only about a third of that. So I would call that a win. A win for taxpayers and parents who finally have a say in where their kids get to go to school. For a long time in K-12 education, the only special interest group was the teachers unions and the other employees unions. But now there's a new special interest group in town, parents, and they aren't going away anytime soon. Hope you liked that video. We don't plan to go away soon either, but we always need your help. So please click this button to help us make more. Will you please kill yourself? Adam Carolla says controversial things. Please kill yourself. You're infecting my life. Lots of people like that. His podcasts right from the start were among America's most popular. He's hosted TV shows that became hits like Love Line and The Man Show that he did with Jimmy Kimmel. Girls jumping on trampoline. The Man Show was criticized for its sexism. Today, it's Corolla's opinions that make people mad. You said, if AOC were fat and in her 60s, no one would listen to her. Well, that's a trip. That's 100% that's trip. Who, who are you to judge political uh, issues? You don't know anything. His comment about AOC drove leftists crazy. It's very predatory and creepy. He projects his sexism onto others. Mm -hmm. He thinks the only reason I would care is because she's hot. These talk show hosts saying, that's so sexist, but it's just true. Yes, if she was in her 60s and husky, nobody would listen to a word she ever said because she sounds like an idiot. Most people don't even know what socialism is. One thing he won't say is, I'm sorry. He makes that clear on the cover of his new book. No apologies. Why is that important? Apologizing just leads to more apologizing. When critics demand apologies, he says, they really want power. They want you to apologize because they want dominion over you. And once you apologize, they just keep coming back. And when they come after you, you say you don't care. And you really don't care? No, I just happen to be wired not to care as long as I'm right. He says he was right about COVID. He was skeptical about the government's announcements. Turns out the people dying from COVID are old or sick or both. How many of you bleeps? got played, and who's going to get played next time? What exactly were you trying to say there? Exactly what I said. They didn't give the ages of the people who died. 
at the very beginning. They never gave the ages. And I immediately got suspicious because it was a bunch of 90 year olds. And for saying this, you get trashed by people who've been your friends. He's making fun of people for taking COVID seriously. <laughs> Adam doesn't believe in shampoo or soap. Yes, it's but disturbing. Jimmy Kimmel and Howard Stern attack his views, but they are still his friends. Others have turned on him completely. Adam and I were quite close. Adam Carolla? Not anymore. What happened? Well, he's a right-wing troll now. Yeah, well, David Allen Greer's nuts. I don't think people know that about David Allen Greer. Fortunately, most celebrities on the left are not as intolerant as Greer. Carolla does shows with Sarah Silverman. Bill Maher and he debate. Absolutely not. I, I'm with you. I'm not. Well, I'm not with you. But conversations like that are rare these days. It is a new thing in the media not to talk to the other side. I could not disagree with you more. All my career, we had arguments and we learned from that. When you're going to a bar, you want to sit next to a guy who's a Steelers fan. If you're a Steelers fan, that's why they have Steelers bars and Patriots bars. But occasionally, and it's part of your job, you have to invite somebody over from the Patriots bar and you can have a, a robust debate on who's the better team. Free speech is protected. Hate speech is not protected. But now the don't even let them speak movement tries to silence robust debate. There's no free speech for fascists. I first encountered it years ago, working for 2020. I was assigned a story at Brown University where a kid had been suspended for sexual misconduct. He'd had sex with a woman who was drunk, and weeks later, she accused him of rape. The protesters offered me their microphone to ask a question. So I asked, what's the new definition of rape? Get off this campus. We don't want you here. Rape is not TV hype. They were screaming. Rape is not TV hype. Rape is not TV hype. And I couldn't even ask people over the noise. TV Can I ask hype. you why you're screaming at? Come on, everybody, louder. And it was this new culture that the other side should not be allowed to speak. I believe that they would let the other side speak if they thought they could beat them in a debate. Um, they don't. Corolla wants to debate, partly because he's confident about his ideas. And I think if you're intellectually honest or I gave you two beers, you would agree with me. <laughs> Agreeing isn't the point. If his ideas are bad, they'll go away. But it is important that people be free to speak. Performers feel pressure. There's a creepy PC thing out there that really bothers me. So let's celebrate those who push right back. The only way these people are going to go away is if everyone just sort of collectively and universally tells them to fuck off. I don't really have a choice as to what I say. It has to be the truth all, all the time. I'm a comedian. It's a sacred oath I took. It's, it's what I do. Thank you. You guys have been wonderful. Thank you so much. In a few weeks, I'll post a longer video with Adam Carolla. Subscribe and hit the notification bell to make sure you get it. Did you know Netflix is paying Barack and Michelle Obama millions to produce shows like this one, The G Word. G stands for government. 
as Netflix documentaries go. This one's remarkable because it's so stupid. Yes, we can. President Obama famously said, Yes, we can. Yes, we can. The American people can do amazing things. But once in office, it became clear that to Obama, we meant government. Government can, if smart people like him are in charge. And that's what his six-part series preaches, big government propaganda. Obama begins by saying he does his own taxes. It's actually easy. Easy? I guess he's joking. The tax code's so complex, it drives Americans to pay accountants billions. But the president says he does his own. I'm amazing at them. And you can be too, if you use the helpful tools found at irs.gov. Is that a joke? I don't know. Much of the series is like a bad joke, hosted by this silly comedian. I, for one, am an idiot. Adam Conover uses his time with the president to do things like make sandwiches. Do you uh, still make your own sandwiches a lot? No. That's an extremely precise spread. You have to get every corner. Conover gets to spend time with the president of the United States and they make sandwiches? What's the point? It's not even funny. They do cover some serious issues like meat inspection. But instead of honest reporting, they do skits suggesting without government, meat companies would sell us poisoned rats. All the meats are covered in dead poison rats. What do you say we do? Sounds like a new flavor of sausage to me. Food regulation was unbelievably successful. Hold it, food is largely safe today because slaughterhouses clean themselves up way beyond what government requires. Companies don't want bad reputations. By contrast, the feds inspected meat by sticking spikes into carcasses and smelling them. Poke and sniff, they called it. They kept using the same spikes, so they sometimes spread disease. They only stopped poke and sniff in the 1990s. At least Obama's series does admit that some government agencies mess things up. I'm talking about FEMA. Not a name you normally hear after the words, did a great job. No, but Conover and Obama's solution, it's always the same, spend more. How many lives could have been saved if FEMA had had the resources they needed? Had the resources? Federal disaster relief has increased by billions. FEMA fails because it's a government bureaucracy. And those fail so dramatically that even the media notice. Millions of bottles of water sitting on a runway since last year. The free market would have gotten it to people. But the G word sneers at this philosophy that the free market should be trusted over the government. But it should be. After Hurricane Katrina, Walmart donated supplies much more efficiently than FEMA. Why would Walmart do it better? They have a massively sophisticated weather system that allows them to track where we need to surge in assets before a storm. Another part of Obama's documentary calls those of us who are skeptical of government racists. In the wake of the civil rights movement, some Americans began to resent the fact that the government was now providing assistance to black and brown citizens as well. Wait, that's just wrong. We didn't resent welfare because of racism. We objected because it created a new permanent underclass. As President Reagan said, government handouts. Encourage them to stay on the welfare rolls longer and discourage work. Because Reagan opposed some handouts, Obama's documentary depicts him as this vicious surgeon. We'll just cut the housing department by 70% and staff it with a bunch of anti-housing capitalists. But the free market hardly took over under Reagan. Federal spending went up. 
It always goes up. When government's excesses became so obvious, a Democratic president said, The era of big government is over. But today it's bigger than ever. And that's good, says Conover, because during COVID, government rescued us by raining money on us. Stimulus checks, small business loans, and corporate tax breaks. They don't mention how much of that money went to fraud or that spending so much created inflation. Although Obama's documentary does occasionally acknowledge handouts can create problems. These century-old Depression-era subsidies are still in place. They're going straight to big agriculture. But they never suggest cutting them. For three hours, President Obama and his sidekicks say government should do more and would if the right people had the power of kings. There's no president who was ever elected who doesn't at some point think, ah, you know, make me, you know, king for a day. Now, Obama does say America shouldn't have kings, but he's clearly thought about it, as have others. I alone can fix it. This arrogance is the big lesson the G word misses. Washington always wants more money, more power. Let's not give it to them. Glad you watched this video. Netflix won't give me millions of dollars to make videos, but I'll keep making them. Thanks for your support. Subscribe and hit the notification bell to make sure you get the next one. Today, big media has an agenda. It's not just give the news. Stop the left's radical agenda. Fox and some others spin to the right. Republicans who have given in fully to the fascist elements of their base. Well, most of the media spin left. I'm glad we now have choices. John Stossel is the anchor of Stossel on the Fox Business Network and my guest now. Megyn Kelly and I once worked together at Fox where I thought she was mostly neutral politically. Then she became the story for confronting Donald Trump in this presidential debate. You've called women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie several... O'Donnell. For the record, it was well beyond Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, I'm sure it was. You're... The point Kelly made was something that should have been brought up at that presidential debate. But candidate Trump quickly made much of the exchange. I have zero respect for Megyn Kelly. What I didn't know was that there was other blowback. Blowback from my employer? Was there? Yeah, definitely. From Roger? Yeah. Don't yeah, be so Roger. hard on him? Yeah. I mean, I'm disappointed. I thought they were grown ups and they understood that was part of the. He was scared. He was losing a, a portion of the Fox News base who felt Fox, not just me, but the Fox, wasn't being fair to Trump. And now. John Stossel. I felt pretty free at Fox. They never told me don't do stories on legalizing drugs or open, more open immigration. But Fox had this paranoid public relations department. There were always a couple people who would flip out at something stupid. And yes, if you crossed paths with the media relations department, you know, they would cut you. So you had to be afraid of that. But and explain, how would they cut you? The next thing you knew, there'd be a negative article on you. They would plant smears, nasty stories about their own employees. It's not just Fox. <laughs> I'd love to tell you, oh, it's just the mean people over at Fox News. Not even close. Um, they look like absolute teddy bears compared to where else I've been. 
Where else she's been refers to NBC News, where she moved after Fox. I thought if I go to NBC, I can get in, I can do this morning show, I'm out of there by 10.15, I can raise my kids, I don't have to be around TV people, and I can do something less toxic than politics. Megyn Kelly's no-holds-barred interview with Vladimir Putin. But at NBC, even though she did some serious interviews, the smug left just pounced on her. What did you think about last night's interview? Oh, you know what, Trevor? Seeing someone so conniving trying to manipulate the American public was disgusting. I'm not talking about Putin. I'm talking about Megyn Kelly. How smug she looks. Also, other news organizations win praise for interviewing despicable people. But Kelly was trashed just for talking to Alex Jones. All even, of the parents the decided reports. to come out and, and lie about their dead children. Even though she grilled him about his lies. Then media pounced on her just for joking with the cast of the TV show Will and Grace. Is it true that you became uh, a lawyer and you became gay because of Will? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. That was obviously a joke, but woke leftists pretended an ignorant Kelly believed it. And then finally, a week before Halloween, Kelly said this about blackface. When I was a kid, that was okay as long as you were dressing up as like a character. Other NBC reporters nodded in agreement, but the Kelly-hating media went berserk. You don't know how they got racist, Megan? How do you not get it that blackface is wrong? I'm guessing all of Megan Kelly's friends are white. The hatred directed at Kelly was unique. Leftists like Joy Behar and Jimmy Kimmel actually wore blackface. But the media treated Kelly differently. White people shouldn't ever even mention blackface. I'm sorry. The next day, she practically begged for forgiveness. I defended the idea, saying as long as it, as it was respectful and part of a Halloween costume, it seemed okay. Well, I was wrong. Watching that apology now, it's just not you. What drove you to the point? You have to understand the mindset I was in. It had been a solid year of attacks. I mean, vicious attacks. I was being told by everyone that what I had said was terrible. Despite the apology, NBC quickly canceled her show and fired her. One thing she now says she's learned from her days at NBC. The leftist media are the most insufferable people we have right now. She can say things like that today without worrying about being fired. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. That's because she now has her own podcast. She runs it. I'm totally uncancelable. That was my only mission in coming back into our business. I didn't want a corporate overlord. She could give her opinions. The new reporting about the border. Ah, oh, this story. She calls on media. She says are just advocates for the left. A mounted border patrol agent was seen wielding a whip. Border agents used a whip? The head of Homeland Security just parroted that story. Our entire nation saw horrifying images. He threw those border agents under the bus. The director of the Department of Homeland Security lied about what the border guards were doing. He was told by his staff, hey, no, we love this story, but the Reuters photographer who took the shot of the alleged whipping is saying nothing of the kind happened, that it's a lie. And what did Mayorkas do? He went right out there through those agents under the bus. The agents involved in these incidents have been assigned to administrative duties. The president did exactly the same thing. Horses really running them over, people being strapped. It's outrageous. 
Finally, Kelly calls out what's probably the biggest example of media bias. 25 minutes over 18 months. That's the amount of time the mainstream media covered the Hunter Biden laptop scandal. Hunter Biden's emails revealed that he used his relationship with his father to make money. For breaking that story, Twitter blocked the Post's account. It's just out disgusting that the Post was canceled for saying true things. Even when the New York Times came out and said, okay, it was real, that we didn't get the, the next letter from all those people saying we were wrong and we're so embarrassed. Stupid, uninformed ignoramuses. Those are the ones driving our national discussion. They often do. I agree with Kelly. The public debate's now manipulated by shameless, ignorant, partisan media. Fortunately, more people get another side of the story now from YouTubers, podcasters, and independent journalists like Megyn Kelly and me. Soon, we'll release our full, much longer interview with Kelly. If you click subscribe below and hit the bell, then YouTube will notify you when that comes out. Thank <laughs> you.